0: Hi, hello, greetings. Welcome back to Myths and Misconceptions. This is segment two, episode three. Oh, yeah. What I mean to say is in these six myths, archetypes, narratives, we see that these ideas are everywhere. They permeate history, the Bible, movies, TV shows, books, everyday conversations. So in today's episode, we are going to pinpoint a couple of specific places we get our flawed ideas of gender and women and men and their roles from. So we're going to look at, you know, call it what you want, tropes, myths, stories, archetypes. And because of that, this episode might seem a little disjointed because my goal is just to saturate you with examples from a wide variety of places and hopefully some of them make you think. I anticipate that a lot of the ideas I'm going to throw at you won't be particularly foreign. You'll probably recognize a lot of the things I'm talking about, which will hopefully only make it easier to start to see the deeper impact these myths have in creating the society Capeman outlined for us and the society we talked about in the last episode and honestly all of the episodes (laughs) before that. All right, the example we're going to start off with is essentially as far back as my brain goes, so we're going to be looking at religion. Um, In many religious texts, the norm was the superiority of men. I know this is like an ice cold take, (laughs) but we're going to break it down anyways. Let's look at the religious text I know the best with my Catholic school upbringing, the Bible. Very early at the start of the Bible, we have the story of Adam and Eve. Essentially, you know, the original humans. Adam is created and Eve is created from his rib shortly after Pretty wild, I know. Um, And Eve and Adam are told by God, You can eat any fruit in this garden, just don't eat the apple from this specific tree. What do you think they do? They eat the apple, but it's Eve who convinces Adam to eat the apple and Eve who eats the apple first. And this is later known as the original sin. And by eating the apple, they lose their innocence and basically ruin everything for all of humanity. Because they ate the apple. But who ate the apple? Whose fault was it? It was Eve's. No. <laughs> so yeah, if you're taking notes, it was the fault of a woman that all of humanity was cursed forever. She doesn't get off scot-free, though. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, God tells Eve, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Okay. So that's what we're working with. In her article, The Woman's Curse, a redemptive reading of Genesis 3.16, Dr. Abidu Khan of Queens College writes, "...for centuries this passage has been used to keep women in their place. Both Jewish and Christian traditions have interpreted this passage as pointing to women's inherent moral deprivation, her power to seduce man into his own downfall, and the need for man, therefore, to keep woman in check and rule over her." Thus, woman has been described for centuries in a negative light, with her feminine arrows needing to be bent and submitted to the man's agency and will. The woman, because of her inherent moral inferiority and because of her central role in the fall of mankind, must submit. And if she chooses not to, history has shown the dire consequences of that revolt. From the winch hunts in the Middle Ages to horrifying statistics on domestic violence, we see what happens to the woman who refuses to bend to the man's rule. Thank you, Dr. Ducan, because that's pretty clear cut. And obviously, many, many Christians don't believe that a woman only exists to submit to her husband. But for a long time, these biblical values, when we don't confront them and denounce them, can only perpetuate a culture in which women are subordinate. And we've seen this leads not only to sexual assault, but then also to an emotional and moral assault when women speak up about rape. I will say it probably a million more times in this episode. Myths and narratives and stories are powerful. Okay, so if you're taking notes, we have, one, the Bible and other religious traditions, but we don't have all day here. (laughs) Okay, moving forwards, Greek mythology, anyone? Any takers? Well, you're already here, so no, don't take out your headphones. (laughs) Okay, anyways, We have Greek mythology, a really prevalent place where we see the subordination of women and their role as it's defined historically perpetuates our society today. Okay, the Women's International Center writes, in Greek mythology, for example, it was a woman, Pandora, who opened the forbidden box and brought plagues and unhappiness to mankind. Early Roman law described women as children forever inferior to men. So again, we have ideas very similar to the Bible anytime women were making waves, it was negative. Also in Greek mythology, we have the myth of Medusa, the woman as the seductress. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about Medusa, my main image is that scene in the movie Percy Jackson where he's like, sorry, I don't want to spoil anything, but like he has his phone or his iPod or something and he's like using the reflection. Because as the story of Medusa goes, if you look at her, you get frozen, turned into stone. So what is the common conception of Medusa? Clearly evil. She's a villain. She's horrific. She's terrifying. What is the actual story of Medusa, though? Because this myth is interesting in that we have the common understanding of the myth, which points to, once again, women as negative, as bringing pain and unhappiness and evil. But the real story is arguably more interesting. So as it goes, Medusa was a beautiful young woman. Men flocked to her, and she was ultimately raped by Poseidon and impregnated by him. Athena, the sister of Medusa, was the enemy of Poseidon, but blamed Medusa for getting impregnated by him and punishes her with the whole snake hair evil thing. Because of this, Medusa is cast away. Ultimately, people are sent after to hunt her, and she is murdered. Um, that sucks. So in the myth itself, we see the idea of even when women are sexually assaulted, it can still be their fault because they're the seductress. Another interesting part of the myth of Medusa, though, is kind of the way it changed over time. Originally, when Medusa was depicted, she was depicted as ugly, as hideous. But as time moved on, she gradually shifted to being depicted as this gorgeous and feminine monster. Still Medusa, still evil, still crazy snake hair thing going on, but she's pretty. Kiki Karaglau, the curator of the exhibit Dangerous Beauty, Medusa in Classical Art, which was on view at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in 2018, explains that, quote, The majority of hybrids, half-human, half-animal monsters like sirens or gorgons, in ancient Greece were female. In a male-centered society, the feminization of monsters served to demonize women. Because even through Medusa's feminization, the idea of her as evil persisted. And I think this says something about a deep-seated general distrust of women that we've seen in the past few myths now. So, we have Medusa. Medusa as... A great example of even in femininity, women are still doing something wrong because then, you know, you're too alluring. This idea of Medusa leads nicely into myth number three, the femme fatale archetype. I have a definition for you from wikipedia normalize it it's very informative (laughs) sorry i hope this doesn't delegitimize me anyways as wikipedia describes the femme fatale archetype it's a mysterious beautiful and seductive woman whose charms ensnare her lovers often leading them into compromising deadly traps like medusa the femininity is evil too because this myth tells us that women must only exist for men never for themselves and even in existing for men they have to do it right they can't be too powerful they can't be too seductive they have to just be straight and narrow speaking of straight and narrow we have number four the ideal woman that we see in the idea of the girl next door trope so what do we think of when we think of the girl next door i for one think of the ideal girl she's pretty but not necessarily sexy She's someone to take home to your parents, have dinner with. She's not too loud, not attention seeking, not even usually aware of her attractiveness. Think of uh, Topanga in Boy Meets World, Betty Cooper in Riverdale, Pam Beasley in The Office, Taylor Swift in that music video, You Belong With Me, you know, where she is literally the girl next door. She wears like the big cute glasses and she's like passing notes back and forth. She's sweet, she's shy. Or Wendy Peppercorn in The Sandlot. You know, the one who acts. she's the lifeguard and all the boys are obsessed with her and she's totally just aloof, but like not too aloof. She's perfect. She's the girl next door. So that's something to think about. The girl next door is overwhelmingly positive, but her traits are not at all the traits that you see in every single woman. It's a very specific type of woman. So that's myth number four. Anyways, myth number five, we have the happy homemaker. This was the perfect woman of around the 1950s in the United States. She spent all her time at home, or if she wasn't at home, maybe picking up the kids from school, running errands, doing anything she could to care for her husband and children. The happy homemaker was expected to be completely happy living this life in this role and not disrupting the status quo. The myth was that women were the happiest they could possibly be in the home. And as we probably know, Betty Friedan really blew this one up when she wrote about the problem that has no name, explaining women are not happy in this role. But in doing so, Miss Betty Friedan gave way to another myth, myth number six, if you're keeping track, the idea of the man-hating feminist. Because when Betty Friedan started writing about this, we saw a second wave of feminism around the 1960s-ish where women started pushing back against being relegated to the home in these extensive gender roles. But the women who did this were often seen as man-hating, lonely, radical women. These women were seen as the outcasts, as the problem children. You know, especially after we had the whole Miss America pageant where women were protesting and burning their bras. People hated that. And that idea of feminists as lonely and man-hating and ugly kind of still exists when we're thinking about feminists today. People often think of feminists as being the women who couldn't get a husband, you know, the person who is unhappy because she's not pretty enough, because she's not feminine enough. And in many ways, that's kind of where we find ourselves today. People question why is there even a need for feminism when we have so many, you know, women in high-powered jobs and we've talked so much about it already. We've gotten women the vote. We've decided that, you know, women don't have to be at home all the time. But, of course, as I hope I've convinced you, we still have a fair amount of issues to confront before we, quote, don't need feminism anymore. Hey, I'm looking forward to the time I'm out of a job. Job. (laughs) I don't get paid. Anyways, I'm clearly getting off track. What I mean to say is in these six myths, archetypes, narratives, we see that these ideas are everywhere. They permeate history, the Bible, movies, TV shows, books, everyday conversations. And so these ideas about women permeate our society and our consciousness in ways that are not always clear until we really step back and look at how vast they are and what they're really saying. And like I said, I didn't even touch on all of the different stories and examples that exist out there, but I hope I've given you enough to see that our expectations for women didn't just come out of thin air and they definitely don't subsist on thin air. They come from tangible myths and misconceptions, six of which we have looked at in this episode. I hope this has given you something to think about because this is where we are ending segment two thrilling look at us go oh my gosh segment three is exciting I hope you stick around because we're looking at where do we go from here no spoilers (laughs) you have to listen and see anyways thank you for listening as always to this episode of myths and misconceptions I will catch you on the (laughs) flip-flop